0: Hi there, this is the Rev. Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is Love to Tell the Story. Under the heading of Not-So-Vital Statistics, out of curiosity this week I went to my pastoral records and discovered that as of this week I have preached a grand total of 1,827 sermons as a minister and teacher of the gospel. Whoa. Now, this number mostly accounts for Sunday morning services over 39 years working in the church. And it doesn't include all the eulogies, wedding meditations, and other messages that we pastors tend to bring to various and sundry church and community gatherings. But even considering that, All things being relatively equal, understand that this represents a total of 36,000 minutes. That's 607 hours, folks. All standing behind some pulpit or another, preaching a sermon that, for better or worse, I had spent most of the previous week preparing. I don't even want to think about how many hours that entailed. Now, I realize that's a whole lot of time spent not only by me, but also by you and by so many others who have sat in church pews listening to what I've had to say week in and week out. So let me just take this opportunity to say thank you for your support and your patience. What's interesting is that while I certainly can't give you specifics as to the subject and content of of every one of those sermons, there are a few that I do remember very, very well. I'll never forget, for instance, the first sermon I ever preached as a pastor of a congregation, a student pastor. The message was entitled, I'm No Hero, with the main illustration having to do with a television show that was running at the time about a reluctant superhero. And to this, I can only say now, what was I thinking? More seriously, though, I will always remember preaching the Sunday after 9-11, when all of us, pastor and congregation, were clamoring for a word of hope in those very sad and uncertain days. There were also a couple of messages over the years when I felt particularly compelled, albeit somewhat fearfully so, to bring forth some measure of biblical truth in the midst of some rather contentious situations within the congregations I was serving at the time. And yes, there have been... More than a few times when despite my own best efforts, but by a great abundance of God's grace, sometimes the truth that needed to be espoused at a given moment actually got spoken aloud, and even better, was heard with open ears and loving hearts. And honestly, that's pretty memorable, and it feels pretty good. Preaching was actually one of the first things that attracted me to the ministry, way back in high school, if you can believe that. And all these years later, it still remains a favorite part of what I do. Preaching can be exhilarating, fulfilling, often disconcerting, sometimes headache-inducing, and occasionally life-changing, often all at the same time. But that's what keeps this task of preaching a wonderfully exciting and utterly joyful thing for me. That said, however, there is also many a Sunday morning when I step up to the pulpit utterly unconvinced that there will be anything at all of value, spiritual or otherwise, coming forth from my addled tongue that day, but that's a discussion for another time. Either way, however, I will tell you this, that each and all of these preaching experiences have one thing in common, and it's that each week after the sermon has been written and preached and the service is finished, it's immediately time to start the process all over again for next Sunday. Part of what a colleague of mine has referred to as the pesky, perpetual, predictable, and persistent return of the Sabbath. You see, the truth is that a sermon, mine or anybody else's, does not exist for the sake of itself. Ultimately, it is not meant to exist as a standalone oration, nor as some kind of pastoral dissertation on all things religious and theological. No, the sermon has always been intended to be simply one facet of the whole act and attitude of worship, and as such is linked to everything else we do in the midst of that, including our prayer and praising, our times of singing and silence and sharing, and most profoundly in the reading of Holy Scripture. What I do, you see, and in a larger sense, what we all do as we worship together is nothing less than the proclamation of the word, God's word. And if you're thinking right now that all this is a pretty tall order for any preacher, certainly this preacher, anyone who is called to stand in a pulpit and speak for 20 minutes, give or take on a Sunday morning, well, you're right. But remember also that the proclamation of which I speak has as much to do with hearing as it does speaking. As John Webster of the University of Aberdeen in Scotland has written, the church is not first and foremost a speaking community, but a listening community. The church speaks because it has been spoken to and it has listened. In other words, as the epistle to the Romans proclaims, Faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the word of Christ. Understanding, of course, that hearing this proclamation of the word, it can take a variety of forms and comes from a wide variety of people. I'm thinking, for instance, of a vacation Bible school that I was a part of some years ago now. The program that year happened to be centered around the story of Moses and the Ten Commandments. And I, in a shining example of casting against type, was drafted to play the role of Pharaoh, which meant, of course, that all week I was generally and rather joyfully verbally and physically abused by all manner of plague. And moreover, all that week, every time a kid requested that I let God's people go, I would have to vehemently and angrily refuse this in a highly Shakespearean manner. In truth, it was a lot of fun. And as you are well aware, I can be a bit of a ham at time. At any rate, the kids enjoyed it. And the great thing about Vacation Bible School was that there was always a lot of kids who came to it who weren't part of our church or any church for that matter. And to bear witness to what was often these kids' very first awareness of God's presence and power in their own lives, Well, that was an amazing thing that got revealed to us in strange ways. To wit, about six months later, we're well into the fall now, I was volunteering at a story day at our local intermediate school. I'm walking down the corridor, guitar in hand, and way down at the end of the hall, I spy this little head bobbing in and out of the doorway of the school office. And as if he were doing a double-take, A second later, out pops that head again. And then, smiling this incredible grin as he comes out into the hall, this boy spreads wide both his arms, and he cries out way too loudly for that hallway, Let my people go! They never asked me to volunteer at the school again. I don't know why. (laughs) Turns out that this was one of those anonymous, quote, unchurched, unquote, kids who had turned up at VBS the summer before, one of the children who had heard this incredible story of God's power and love for the very first time, and six months later not only remembered but was still thinking about it. The whole thing made me laugh, but it also got me to thinking about how a little bit of good news was brought to that little one, how the word was proclaimed, and maybe, just maybe, took root And grew in that very unique and special way. So maybe it does happen in a sermon. But it might also be revealed in a Sunday school story or or a children's ministry. It can happen in a prayer or a song. Or for that matter, maybe it all happens in some random act of kindness. Or merely a kind word spoken at just the right time. The point is, who knows how the word might actually be proclaimed until it happens. What is it that Frederick Buechner wrote about the love of the Lord? How it gets through to those who are seeking out faith? He says that for every believer, that there's this incredible moment of divine awareness when the love of the Lord has hit them from the top of their heads to the tips of their toes. Who knows exactly when or where or how that may happen? But Piekner writes, maybe for one seeker, the moment that has to happen is you. And so might it be. And that brings us to the close of another episode of Love to Tell the Story. I'm Michael Lowry, and I thank you for listening today. And until next time, stay safe. Be well and may God bless you with a great day, every day. We'll talk to you soon.